Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Pray with us. As devastating as the war in Ukraine is, it is a gospel moment for Ukraine, Russia, and the refugees scattering into Europe. God is at work. He is not surprised. So we declare that this crisis is a gospel opportunity. We pray for our missionary workers. Some have left Ukraine to minister on the borders. Others have stayed in country to express solidarity with the national church. We affirm both choices and pray for Holy Spirit guidance. We pray for Christians on both sides of this conflict. The Russian Pentecostal Church was greatly influenced by the Ukrainian revival in the 1920s. And even today, many leaders in the Russian church are ethnic Ukrainians. Let's stand with the church more than we make political statements. We serve with a combination of love, truth, and power in our mission activity. We love by meeting the physical need. We bring truth by sharing the gospel as laid out in scriptures, and we walk in power by praying for healing, miracles, deliverance, and the acts of intervention that only God can do. Men and women, young and old, from across our nation and the world have Ukraine and Russia in their hearts and minds every day. We are praying and believing that this will lead to hundreds of missionaries to be called to work in these countries and among these peoples. We pray for peace. We pray for the good news to be preached. We pray for gospel resources to be provided. We pray for strength among our pastors and people, and we pray for divine intervention in Ukraine and Russia.
where we spend half a Sunday school talking about missions and the other half talking about our love for Jesus Christ and his word. I'm very grateful to be a part of this congregation. Um, you know, uh, well, if you don't, I'm Curtis Hubble. This is Teresa over here. Colton, I'm sure, is in Sunday school or where, uh, Children's Church making trouble. <laughs> but we are newly appointed missionaries to the nation of Ukraine. Yeah. And some of you have... Some of you have walked this journey with me uh, kind of personally. Some of you took it upon yourself to kind of bear my burdens with me as the Bible encourages us to do, that we support one another, that we help each other along, that you don't just sit back and watch somebody going through a tough time and say, man, it really stinks to be you. Instead, you come alongside and say, how can I help? What can I do? And over and over, what I told you you could do was to pray. And you did, and I thank you for that. Uh, we, are, we are in a good position right now to depart for Ukraine sooner than I thought possible. Just, uh, just a little over a week ago, I think, uh, everything's a blur to me right now, but it wasn't that long ago that I finally got my budget for what uh, the money I have to raise in monthly support and cash so that we can go and do what God has called us to do. And I'm going to tell you, the only thing that I've been doing during that time was just praying. I said, God, I, I just need you to do something here. I, I need for things to happen. See, we transitioned from U.S. missions in the assemblies of God to world missions in the assemblies of God. It wouldn't seem like that was a complicated process, but it was very complicated. In fact, there wasn't any guarantee that through that transition, even though we've been missionaries for 20 years, there was no guarantee that any of the support that we've raised for the last 20 years would follow us to world missions. I believed it would, but I didn't know. We just kept praying, God, we need you to do something. And we kind of slipped through the cracks, and it took a little longer than it should, but we finally got word where we're at. And I'm really happy to tell you we're 80% of the way to having our budget raised. And that's because of churches and churches like this and individuals like you who've come alongside and said, we're going to help, we're going to help you do something in Ukraine. No one's exactly sure what the future holds or even what ministry will look like in Ukraine when the doors are open again. But one thing I do know is that God has called my family and I to be a part of his plan for Ukraine, no matter what that is. As soon as our training is complete in June and our financial support is all raised, we will depart for a three-year term as Nebraska District missionaries to Ukraine. We're the only ones in the United States who will receive an appointment to Ukraine during this war. We're the only ones. Nebraska will be the only district that's sending a new missionary to Ukraine during this time. Ukraine has a very long and difficult history. 
War and genocide are nothing new. They've happened numerous times in the history of this country. It wasn't that long ago that Ukraine was under the reign and dominion of the former Soviet Union. Christians were severely persecuted just for their faith. Pastors were imprisoned because their ministry was not approved. There was a man by the name of Sasha Ozaruga. And he was a Pentecostal pastor who was imprisoned in Siberia for his unacceptable ministry. He and many other pastors were sent there. And what the goal was was to work them to death. They were forced into hard labor. They were not giving adequate enough clothing. And many, many men of God died. When his usefulness had been exhausted and he did not die, his last task that he was given was to dig his own grave. And he and many other men of God were lined up, uh, lined up on the edge of the open pit that they had just dug, and they were facing a firing squad. And they looked their ex executioners in the eye, and the, the man who was supposed to give uh, the order to fire, uh, he told them, he said, turn around. And they wouldn't. And he told them one more time, he said, turn around. See, they wanted to shoot him in the back, and they wouldn't. So finally that man looked at the men who were holding the rifles, and he pointed up in the air and gave them the order to fire, and they fired into the air. And he went to these men of God who had inadequate clothing, almost nothing to cover their skin, and he told them to run. And they walked out of Siberia in the middle of Arctic winter. They should not have made it more than a few kilometers, but with God's help, they made it out. At the fall of the Soviet Union, Pastor Sasha was given a, a piece of unproductive farm ground. And they told him, now here, this hopefully will make up for your suffering, build a church. And his congregation had an idea of what it would look like and, and what it would be like. And they had a dream that there would be a great church there. But this is how one of them described it to me. They said, all we had was dust. Just the dirt. We had nothing. And then we scraped together everything we had. All the money that we had. And we were able to buy some gravel. Then they said, we saved up again. And we were able to buy just a few bricks. He said, then the Americans came, and we had a church. There's a picture of that church out on my table. It's the church that I went to Ukraine and partnered with and started Honorbound Motorcycle Ministry International thir over 30 years ago. That church was built by Arlington Assembly of God in Arlington, Virginia. And that church has since then planted about 10 other churches in villages all around. And they are revolutionizing that part of Ukraine. There will soon be a time in Ukraine where there is a harvest that is ripe and ready to be brought in. It's already happening now. Existing churches are seeing hundreds come to Christ on a regular basis. It's been estimated that the number of casualties on both sides is somewhere around 200,000. 200,000. The estimates of the deaths 
are up somewhere around 70,000. So there's a generation that is learning a new definition of hopelessness. Orphans and widows who are becoming victims to the deadly force of bitterness and unforgiveness. Understand this, the real danger of this war is not the bombs and the bullets that are flying now. It's what's happening in the hearts and the souls of people who are facing utter devastation and they are saying things like this and thinking thoughts like this. They said, we will never forgive this. They may survive this terrible war. They may crawl out of their cellars and the holes that they're living in. They may have their lives and absolutely be robbed of all of their joy and vitality for the rest of their time on earth because they're trying to settle a score that they cannot settle. And then they will stand before God and hear these words, Depart from me. I never knew you. God has another plan. I believe that very soon out of the ashes and rubble, churches will rise. I believe that this will often be said in the near future. All we had was dust and destruction. Then the Americans came and we had a church. We are willing to go. We've said yes. I'm just telling you. We've said yes. I can't, I can't, you don't know my heart. You don't know my, my true mind. I can only tell you, I can only testify to you that our answer is yes. No matter what the question is that God asks of me, no matter, no matter what he tells me is next, I just want you to know the answer is yes. We are willing to do it, but we need your help. First, of course, we need you to continue to pray Maybe you haven't prayed for us before. Maybe, maybe we were just so familiar that, that, you know, it's hard sometimes when you see someone all the time. It's hard to have an accurate perspective of what they need and what you might do. So maybe you don't pray for us regularly. That's okay. I'm asking you to consider doing that now. Secondly, we need your financial partnership, and this church supports us. Many of you support us. But I'm asking you to consider if there's something that God's laying on your heart to do. If you're saying, you know what, uh, God wants me to be a part of that last 20%, please do it. And if you say you need to pray about it, I just tell you this, pray fast, pray hard, and then do what God tells you to do. That's all. Maybe you know someone who's not affiliated with this church but you know they would love to help us do something in Ukraine. That they, they, you, you hear my heart and you say, this would resonate with them. Put me in touch with that person. I would love to tell them what's going on and how they can get involved. And then third, we need you. Perhaps when you hear me talking and you hear, you see what's going on in the world, you feel God tugging at your heart and he's saying, you know what, maybe it's time for you to step out. Maybe this. Maybe that's Ukraine. Maybe that's somewhere else. We have some information at the back table. We'd love to help you to take that next step. So I'd encourage you, please stop by and pick some things up. We have our newsletters back there. We have new prayer cards. These are kind of a temporary one, to tell you the truth, but get them while they're hot. We would love for you to take those. And then uh, the, there's, there's, there's a lot there. We would love to just discuss that with you. So please, please stop by. 
But I want to tell you this morning, one of the greatest dangers that we have in our lives is for us to lose perspective. Just to lose perspective. It's, it's an incredibly dangerous thing. It's amazing sometimes when you step back, step back and you look at what you are allowing to dominate your decisions and your thinking. It's not always easy to decipher that because we get to going through our life and we just get in a pattern. Sometimes we get in a rut. Sometimes we just get used to things so that we're kind of doing things without thinking about them very much. And it's difficult to always determine what is it that I'm allowing to dominate my thinking and my decisions. Over and over again, we learn of people who chase after the wrong thing. And it's really easy to see in somebody else, isn't it? How many times have you tried to warn a young person, hey, hey, don't, don't do that. You say, I did it. It ends poorly. What do they say? (laughs) Thanks. I mean, every time I see a young person, a teenager smoking, I think, how on earth, how could anybody that's not addicted to nicotine, I understand, I understand that it, it could be there's some here today that they're saying, man, this is such an addictive thing. I've been trying for years to get rid of this. I can't even relate to somebody who's not in bondage to tobacco going, you know what? It looks like that's really cool. It looks like that would be something really great. I hope someday that I can pull around an oxygen tank and have a hose stuck up my nose and not be able to hardly move or or someone chewing tobacco. I hope someday they have to take off this whole side of my face. I can't even imagine someone who's not absolutely addicted to tobacco to saying, hey, that's a choice that I want to make. But we see it happening. Um, Oftentimes, one little detail changes everything. We've all seen this movie or this scenario in a movie at some point, right? Some sort of amazing chase scene. Something's happening, man. They're having to, they're up on two wheels. They're doing all of this crazy stuff. They take a corner and the road falls away and the bullets are zinging past. And no matter how many thousands of rounds are shot through the windshield, somehow the driver is still, he's just driving along and all of this stuff. Everything is just, you're on the edge of your seat going, how could it get any worse? And then they show how it could get worse. And suddenly there's like a little shot of the gas cap that somebody forgot to put on. And there's gas sloshing out of the gas tank now. And all of a sudden there starts to be sparks coming out of the rear wheel. And you can see the gas and the sparks are about to come together. Or it's a loose bolt on something that's about to come apart. Whatever it is, all of a sudden we see, oh, this is absolutely horrific. And no matter what, how skilled the driver is, no matter how bad of a shot this guy is, it's all going to end because the gas cap was not put on. Depending on the movie, somehow the hero is still alive after the huge explosion and the chunks of metal flying everywhere. But our lives are not like a Hollywood movie. And sometimes the slightest mistake can take on, uh, or misstep can take on a whole life of its own. What we do as children of God is to, we have to live with an eternal perspective. 
I want to read a pretty good chunk of scripture here. I'm going to try to move pretty quick through it. So hang on. This is 18 verses. I was trying to, I was trying to just grab one little piece of it out, but there's just so much in here, and we're not gonna, we're not gonna go through a whole dissertation about what every verse means, but listen to this passage of scripture. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're reading the entire chapter. Okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading out of the NIV. The antique NIV, not the new revised updated one. So here we go. It says, therefore, since, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach, uh, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in, in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for our benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflowing to the glory of God. Therefore... We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, uh, uh, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I know it's a big chunk of scripture, but there's just, there's just so much going on in there. And so much that you and I really need to get a hold of and, and, and kind of get plugged into our lives. This was written a long time ago, but it has an application, an immediate and a, a true application to our lives. And first, I, I want to hit just a few high points of this. First, I want you to realize this morning that we have a part 
of what God is doing here on earth. Paul starts with the fact that we have this ministry, something to be actively doing. And he says, we don't lose heart. He said, rather, we've, we've renounced secret and shameful, uh, shameful ways and do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Did, you, did that stand out to you when I read that? That he's talking about this ministry and he says, I am not distorting the word of God. Listen, you and I need to be committed to his word. We need to be committed to his word as it is written. There are all kinds of people who want to distort what it says. We want to try to make it something that it will never say. We want to try to make it more palatable to those that later, he says, they're blind. They've been blinded. They can't even see. They can't even see the truth. So many churches are fixated on what we can, or so many people are fixated on what they can get away with and still be a Christian. I, I'm tired of the debate. I really am. Over and over. Are you trying to tell me that this, this is wrong? Yes, it's wrong. It's wrong. Well, I can still do this and be a Christian. Okay. Yay. That's not our job. It's not to find out how close we can walk to the world and somehow still squeak into heaven. See? It's not our job to make sinners more comfortable with who they are. Our job is to live a holy life that's different. We may get so distracted with making the gospel more palatable that we distort the truth and cater to those who have been blinded. We have something to be doing. We have this ministry. Number two... We endure hardships knowing that God is on our side. He starts out there, verse 8. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay. We have this treasure. We are, this, this is something that you and I need to get a hold of. It's not about us. It's about God. Doing what God has called you to do may carry what seems to be a great price. When I was in my missions uh, training and all these seminars we've been to, there was one of, one of the coordinators, uh, the spouse got up and, and she talked about a time when she was just very angry with God. Very angry. She was uh, discouraged in her faith. And she went and talked to a counselor. She was looking for someone to sympathize with her. And she just made this statement. She said, being a missionary has taken too much. It cost too much. She was tired of it. She wanted out. She says, it cost too much. The counselor's response was, how would you know? Isn't that an interesting question? How would you know? There's often times that we get upset with God. We say, man, this should not be happening. How would you know? Are you God? 
It's above our pay grade to try to figure out how our life should be going. It's up to God uh, to know how difficult the path should be that we walk. We're in a time right now, if you're not aware of it, start becoming aware of it. Christianity has lost its favorable standing in America. Those days are gone. It's over. It's not, it's not considered a good thing by the general public in America anymore. My son told me that recently there was a courthouse somewhere in New York. We'd say, yes, of course, New York. There's a courthouse, and I don't know what, what they replaced, but they unveiled a brand new statue. And it was some of, of some de- demonic-looking uh, creature coming out of some evil-looking thing, and that's what's on the courthouse now. Welcome, welcome to our courthouse. We're the witch of whatever rules here. And as they unveiled it, the, there were a lot of people celebrating. They said, we have got to get rid of the Christian norms in this country. The time has come. <laughs> there are pagan altars. There, there was one, one, one uh, park where they erected an altar to Baal. Uh, wow. In America. Here. Erected an altar to Baal. You know, we got to get back to something good. Worship of Baal. Christianity doesn't have its place of favor anymore in this country. The day may come when you are persecuted for your faith. you got to figure out before then what you stand for. you got to figure out before then why you have the hope that you have. Now is the time for you to become strong in your faith. Now is the time for you to exercise your faith and get ready for the fight. Serving God may not be easy, but it's always worth it. And then finally, he says in our high point, this life that we live achieves for us eternal glory. It's a weird concept when you think about it. Eternity, right? There's one conversation I remember having with my dad as a pretty young, pretty young boy. And he said something like this. He said, when we get to heaven, we're going to realize how insignificant this life really was. And we're going to wonder what we got so worked up about. Bible describes our life as a vapor or as a, as, a, as a blade of grass. It just withers away. It just comes at its go. It's very temporal. And Paul, when he was, when he was ending this chapter, he starts again. I, I love that he started with saying, we don't lose heart. And he ends with, we don't lose heart. Because of these very temporary things knowing that we have eternal glory coming. My dad has been realizing that hope since 1980. Did the math. About 43 years ago. That's how long my dad's been in heaven. 43 years. 
I'm going to tell you, that seems like a long time to me. It really does. It seems like, like, like that's, that's a, a huge chunk of time. And, and I, I kind of wonder what his perspective would be. And for him, it's just nothing. He's, he's probably still just rejoicing that he's there. 43 years later, he's probably still giving high fives to everyone who will slow down long enough to give him a high five and saying, I made it. I made it. No matter what. No matter what this life looks like, we have eternity on the line. We don't mourn like those who have no hope because our hope is so great. I actually enjoy going to funerals of people I know were saved. I actually enjoy it. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they're dead. I wish they weren't. I always, I mean, I... I, I, I miss them. I wish we had more time. But you want to know what it makes me every time I go to their funeral? Really jealous. Really jealous. I think, man, their to-do list, it's just gone. It's gone. They don't have to worry about the weather or road conditions. Nothing. They're in heaven Forever. Paul began and he concludes this chapter with, we do not lose heart. You have to wonder, why did, he, why did he say that? It was a statement of faith. I believe it, it was not him saying, I am better than you. You may get discouraged, but I don't. I don't think so. I think he was encouraging you and I that though we may be discouraged, though we may see things happening, though we may feel inadequate, we don't lose heart because it is God who uh, makes us able to do what he's called us to do. So in conclusion, I just ask you this. What about you? Where are you at today? See, none of us know. I don't know. I can't look at you and say, ah, oh, that person, clearly a faithful Christian. That person clearly is not compromising. I have no idea. You want to know the scary thing? You might not know either. One of the bizarre, bizarre realities we, come, we can come to in Scripture is that there are all kinds of people all the time who think that they are Christian and they are not. So what about you? Are you losing heart? Are you discouraged? Are you saying, you know what, God, this is too much. You're requiring too much of me. Maybe your focus is on what you can get away with instead of being the light that you're supposed to be. Maybe you're focusing on the blind and the hardened and missing the open opportunity of people who want to hear the gospel. Perhaps the cares of life seem to be overwhelming and are stealing the hope that you have in eternity. This is what I know for sure. 
God wants to meet with you today. He does. He loves to do it. He loves it when we come to him with an open heart and an open mind and say, God, who am I? What is it you need to do in me? What is it that you want? What is it? He knows. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that you love us. That God, you know each and every one of us by name. You know the very number of hairs we have or don't have on our head. God, you know what each and every day holds. God, you know the struggles, the, the internal struggles that we have, God. You know, the, you know the, the, the feelings that we have that might even be hostile towards you. You already know all of this, God. We can't fool you. We can only fool ourselves. So God, I pray for everyone that's here today. God, I pray for the person maybe that's holding back. They're afraid to give themselves fully to you. They're afraid to make themselves 100% accountable to your word because they know, man, I am going to have to change. God, would you just overwhelm them with your love right now? God, not condemnation, not guilt. God, those things are not for, from you. Grace, peace, and love, those, those are what come from you, God. When we trade our, our, our shortcomings and our weaknesses, God, that's what you give us. God, I pray for those. God, sometimes we're just tired. We're just tired. That's, that's where it's at tired of fighting, tired of pushing. Maybe we feel like giving up, losing heart. God, by your spirit, I pray that you would just begin to strengthen everyone here right now. God, help us to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to do what you've called us to do. Help us to fight for the faith, God, and to endure to the end so that we could win the prize at eternal glory with you. Father God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we commit ourselves to you today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.